You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to C3SanDiego.com. I had no idea that somebody walked out. I just found out when Dr. Matt said somebody walked out because I played Napoleon Dynamite in church. So... Let me just get a show of hands. How many people here have never seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Oh, dear Jesus. Okay. All right. Well, you got some homework to do between this week and the end of the year. You want to watch it. It's, it's, a, it's a classic movie. Classic movie. We were doing a series called God in Hollywood. And I know there's a new series coming out called Paranormal Activity, which I thought was starting in October. And then, you know, Summer, who uh, loves to tell you the little lights aren't twinkling, uh, told me this morning that I thought we were standing in the paranormal. I'm like, yeah, October. And it's the 30th of September. Anyway, dear Jesus, help me. So, um, so God in Hollywood, Napoleon Dynamite. It's a classic movie. Just some trivia. The movie was, the budget was less than 100 grand. The lead actor who plays Napoleon was paid $1,000. The movie grossed in its first year $40 million at the box office and they made it for less than 100 grand. It's filmed in, like it could be filmed in Ohio, Iowa, you know, Wisconsin, Nebraska, you know, Idaho. It could be filmed anywhere there uh, because it just tries to capture just like a, the struggles of, you know, high school students with bullying and peer pressure and popularity and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, it's just a really, it's a really beautiful movie where it kind of grabs, you know, tragic. You know, he's a kid who's kind of a listless young teenager, doesn't have a mum and dad in the home, is raised by grandma. Uncle Rico is an interesting young man himself. And, uh, and it's just a really beautiful movie. So I picked four characters from the movie who were the, like distinct characters and uh, we're going to preach off those. So the title of my message is Napoleon's Dynamite Gospel. Uh, so point number one, <laughs> inspired by Uncle Rico is get unstuck from the past. Get unstuck from the past. To lay hold of the future, you've got to let go of the past. Philippians 3.13, Philippians 3.13, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Now, how many people know that when the Apostle Paul tells you there's one thing that he does, it's kind of worth leaning in. It's worth listening to. One thing I do, forgetting that which is behind. I press forward to lay hold of that which has laid hold of me, forgetting that which is behind. You know, in this life, I found that one of the great keys to success is developing a really good forgettery. I don't know about you, but I forget the things I need to remember, and I remember the things I need to forget. I forget the things I need to remember like passwords. I can't tell you how many times your account is frozen. After three unsuccessful attempts, we've frozen your account temporarily. Please contact your bank. I'm like, I'm sure I picked the flipping password. So then you've got to go in, you've got to contact, you've got to make a brand new password. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then they give you one. I'm like, I can't remember that. 
GQB7490 slash, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to remember that. Why would I let you choose it? I can't remember the ones that I'm choosing. So I'm going to remember, I'm going to, it's going to be off the cat's birthday. That's what I'm doing. It's the cat's. And then I realized we didn't even have a cat. I'm like, what the heck did I choose that for? But you know, one of the great tragedies is we, we remember the things that we need to forget. We forget the, need, the things we need to remember. The devil is very, very quick to remind you of all your failures, all your mistakes, all your mishaps, all your missed opportunities, the things you should have done or the things that you didn't do. And he would love to get you living in a place of regret and remorse. Can I just tell you, you were not created to live with regret. The weight of regret, regret is really great friends with uh, sin, uh, guilt and condemnation. You don't want to live in a place of regret. You want to live in a place of expectation. You want to live in a place of expectation. To live with expectation, you've got to have eyes forward. I'm not sure if you noticed this the last time you looked in the mirror, but God, when he made you, put your eyes in the front of your head. He didn't put it in the side like a fish. Social media is trying to get kids to move their eyes to the side. It's trying to get us to move our eyes to the side of our heads so that we're always looking at who's posting what on Instagram. And man, their life looks so much better than mine. You know, wow, look at that. They're on the beach. And look at that donut. That's an amazing, wow. You know, and, and we're always comparing ourselves with one another. You weren't created to be a fish with your eyes on the side of your head. Neither did God put your eyes in the back of your head where you're always looking backwards. Some Christians are robo-Christians. They're headed this way but they're always looking back at the past. Uncle Rico, if only coach would have put me in in the fourth quarter, man, we would have been state champions <laughs> for sure. He, he, he's living in the past. He's living it. You can't go back. You can't change the past. You just got to give your past to God and understand that God calls you out of your past. He calls you out of your pain. The, the problem with the children of Israel is for 430 years, they lived in bondage in Egypt. The truth is it was a generational curse because, uh, because their fathers had forsaken the Lord. God handed them over and so they were experiencing slavery. So there was generational curses that they were operating in. Many of us, when we have walked into the house of God, you need to understand uh, there are generational curses in play. There are things that you did not do but you inherited. Some of us come from divorced homes or broken homes or dysfunctional homes or addicted homes, beat down homes, broke down homes, poverty mindsets. As beautiful uh, Pastor Kat was sharing, even from her own family, though two jobs, but never enough money, never enough to, 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 to go around. And so there were these generational curses. And what's so uh, amazing is that when God calls you and you are born again, it is literally like a caterpillar going into a cocoon and then coming out. It doesn't come out a better caterpillar. It doesn't come out a more motivated caterpillar. It doesn't come out a caterpillar that's done P90X. You want to be a ripped caterpillar? P90X for caterpillars. That's not what happens. When you see what comes out of the canoe, it doesn't even resemble. Like if, if, if Billy the Butterfly, uh, if, sorry, if um, uh, Kevin the Caterpillar goes to visit his buddies now that he's a, he's a butterfly, he's like, guys, it's me, Kev. They're, they're scrambling for shelter and relief. Who is this guy? It's me. They can't recognize him because he's born again. The word, the word there, metamorpho, is exactly 
a picture of what God does when you were born again. Here's the problem. We are born again. We are now born again of the Spirit of God. That with God all things are possible. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The problem is that the control mechanism that controls this new power, that controls this new energy is still linked historically to your past. All your muscle memory, all your mind memory, every, every nuance on the inside of you, every part of your brain is connected to the past. The great battle of this life is the letting go of the past. You cannot live in the past. Your past is not an indicator of your future. Your God is an indicator of your future. But you've got to learn. We have to learn to let go of the past. Every time the devil speaks to me, he tries to tell me about the past. When Elijah, who calls fire down from heaven, fire comes down from heaven. So a whole nation falls on their knees and cries, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. He goes down and executes the prophets of, of Baal down at the Kishon River. And then he climbs back up onto the mountain and he prays seven times with fervency for the drought to break and, and the rain comes down. So a few hours earlier, he brings fire out of heaven. Now he brings rain out of heaven. Man, this is a bad dude. The next day he's tucked tail and run because Jezebel says, I'm gonna kill you. You're gonna die like those prophets of Baal that you executed before the sun sets. You're gonna be a dead man. And he tucks tails and runs into the desert. And then his prayer in the desert is God, it is enough now. I am no better than my father's. He's looking at his history. He's looking at his own daddy's struggle and his daddy's daddy's struggle. He says, I see the same struggles. I see the same weaknesses. I see the same generational junk in them, in me, God. It is enough now. He just called fire down from heaven. He just brought an end to a drought and yet he sees the struggle. Every single one of us come in with struggles. The purpose of this church, what C3 stands for, and we are not ashamed to push back against all the lies of the devil is we want you to understand that your future has got nothing to do with your past, that you serve a God who is a healing God, who is a delivering God. He's a chain-breaking God. He's a cord-loosing God. He's a yoke-destroying God. But He wants to deliver you from your past and set your feet upon a rock and make your footsteps firm. So that's the first one. All right, point number two. Point number two is in, brought to us by Pedro. And it's all things are possible for him who believes. All things are possible for him who believes. What's so beautiful about the movie, and again, these are all spoiler alerts, is that Pedro is a Mexican immigrant who comes to the land, America, that he believes is the land that dreams come true. He comes to America where he believes that all things are possible. So what you don't see there, you see uh, Hilary Duff's sister, uh, she's sitting in, in the crowd there and she's kind of, her name is Summer Wheatley in the movie. She's the prettiest girl, the most popular girl in the school. And so Pedro confides with Napoleon and says that he's going to invite her to the prom. And Napoleon is flabbergasted because he likes a girl, but he's too embarrassed and too shy to ask. In fact, he goes into this diatribe with, um, with Pedro's like, you know, girls want guys with skills and I, I don't have any skills. Like... <laughs> Girls are looking for, you know, skills like nunchuck skills, <laughs> computer hacking skills. I don't have any skills. And how are you going to ask her out? And so literally, Pedro, you as the immigrant, how are you going to ask the most popular girl in the school out on the prom? And I love Pedro's response. He goes, I don't know. 
build her a cake or something. <laughs> He's going to build her a cake or something. And so he asks her out. And then he has the audacity to run for school president. He runs for school president because nobody told him you can't. He came to the land of I can. He came to the, the land that he heard that this is a place where dreams come true, where all things are possible. Can I just tell you, when you were born again, when you were born again, you stepped into a kingdom where with God all things are possible. You stepped into a place where all things are possible. In Mark 9, 23, there's a situation where a dad has a family crisis and he comes to Jesus begging Jesus to do something. And he's obviously heard about Jesus and he says to him, Lord, if you can do anything, please help my son. Now, how many of you know that Jesus can do anything? So Jesus kind of does a bit of a reversal here. He says, I know I can do anything, but that doesn't help you. Jesus said, if you can believe. It's not whether I can do anything. It's whether you can believe. For all things are possible for him who believes. The reason that church is so important is because you and I live in a culture that has toxicity towards the things of the kingdom. You and I live in a fallen, broken world. Jesus says, when I return, will I really find faith in the earth? He didn't say, when I return, will I find love in the earth? He didn't say, when I return, will I find justice in the earth? Will I find equity? Will I, when I return, will I really find faith in the earth? Christians were only called Christians twice in the New Testament, and both of them were derogatory terms. Christians all the way through the New Testament were, were identified as believers, as believers. When you come to the house of God, you should find that a, there's a sanitization process that takes place to actually show, expose, and reveal to you the garbage and the junk that has been put on you, the ceilings and the limitation and the lids that have been put over you, conditioned by a world that seeks to enslave you, whereas God wants to make you free. He wants to make you free to dream and free to believe. All things are possible for him who believes. All things are possible for him who believes. In fact, uh, in the scripture, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, Jesus says, whatsoever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Whatsoever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. In other words, it's not just enough to ask and it's not just, not just enough to pray. Do, do you notice that third dynamic in there? Believe. Because most people, most people, they will ask and they will pray, but they won't believe. And the reason they don't believe is because they don't understand. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. So what is it that they don't understand? They don't understand that they were born again. They don't understand that their sins are completely washed away. They don't understand that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. They don't understand that God is love and love keeps no record of wrongs. They do not understand that God took the handwriting of disqualifications that was against us and has nailed it to the cross. So they believe that when we pray and we ask God for things that well, I shouldn't really expect it because I'm just a sinner and man, I still stumble here and I don't pray as much as I should and not as holy. And when that guy cut me off on the freeway, I said a naughty word. And, 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 and we have a litany 
of things that we believe to disqualify us from receiving the prayers. Do you know the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All the promises. When it says all the promises, it doesn't mean some. When it says all the promises, it doesn't mean most. When it says all the promises, guess what it means? It means all. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen means let it be so. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. My job on a Sunday, every preacher's job that stands in this platform, this pulpit on a Sunday, our job is to push back on the unbelief that has infected us from living in a world, watching television and naysay and hopeless and lies and smears in the media, all of that kind of garbage. And we come into the house of God where finally we hear the undiluted, non-polluted, infallible, living, transforming, inspired by the Holy Ghost Word of God. And as that Word comes in, it puts faith on the inside of you. And all of a sudden that believing mechanism gets unlocked and you begin to believe again. You begin to believe again. You look at the miracles of the Bible. The Bible says in the book of Acts that God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. Which meant that if God was working unusual miracles, that there were just usual miracles. Some people never see miracles. I hope you've realised if you spend any time at C3, we're a house of miracles. Let me tell you, I don't believe in miracles. I depend on them. I don't believe in miracles. I depend on them. You talk to Pastor Jesse, Jesse's our business manager. He will tell you that our, our history from Leanne and I leaving Australia to come here with our three little boys, not knowing anybody, that, 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 that we came here believing for miracles. Without miracles, we weren't going to make it. And fortunately, Jesse and Kat Solomon were there on our very first, first Sunday. He's changed his name from Jeff to Jesse. Apparently, it was on his birth certificate the whole time. I don't know why he didn't realise that. But anyway, and uh, in-house joke. But they were with us from, from, from the beginning. And we've seen miracle after. When we bought San Marcos, Dr. Matt kept pastoring me. You gotta go and look at this building. Oh, pastor, you gotta look at this building. And finally I realized he is so persistent. If I don't look at the building, he's gonna just keep hounding me to look at it. So I thought, I'm, I'm gonna drive in, look at the building, and then I'll give him the reasons, the logic, why it is illogical. To, but we just spent $10 million. What part of $10 million on our South Campus do you not understand? We just spent that has emptied the coffers. We got nothing left. And as I drive on, I hear God say, buy it. And I'm like, oh, you and Dr. Matt are ganging up on me. Now, Dr. Matt's got an excuse. He may not know that we don't have any money in the bank account, but God, you don't have any excuse. You're meant to know everything. How am I going to buy this? It's, it's 74,000 square feet of building right on the freeway here. God, you should know that we don't have any money. We can't buy the building. And God says, you don't have any money? Good. Now we're back to where we were, where, where we were when we started this thing. Just you and me and my promises. And then I realised, oh, sugar. So I called Dr. Matt, said, Dr. Matt, we're going to buy the building. So we put an offer in and, and, uh, and it's hard to make an offer when you don't have any money. <laughs> He's just making stuff up. And so what are you going to offer for it? It sold in 2004 for 12.6 million. We can give you 
six million dollars? They told, they told us that the Asians were Christians. Man, the language coming back when we said six million. Wow, you guys are a different kind of Christian. I don't think that's French. And, uh, oh dear Jesus, look at the time. Anyway, um, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you don't believe. Whatsoever things you ask for, believing. Don't let the, don't let the devil get, get involved in your prayers. I made a decision. When I'm praying, devil, you just pipe off. You know what? Mute. Shut up. The, the devil will tell you all your disqualifications. The reason Jesus came was to wipe out all your disqualifications. Read it. The Bible says that he took the handwriting, Colossians. He took the handwriting that was against us and nailed it to the cross. Do you know what happened on the cross? The Son of God bled and died on the cross. So if the devil is trying to take the handwriting that is against you, that disqualifies you from getting your prayers answered, if he's going to go, he's got to go to the cross and he's got to rip it off the cross when God nailed it there and he's got to bring it into court. And when God the judge looks at it, he says, this is, I can hardly read this. It's covered in my son's blood. I kind of think that's the point. I can't read all of your disqualifications because it's covered in my son's blood. The, the blood of my son, Jesus was innocent. Jesus was the fulfillment of righteousness, the law. He was innocent and was murdered, violently murdered on the cross. Why? to amplify the frequency of his righteousness so that it screams louder in the ears of God than all your condemnation, than all your sin, than all your transgression, than all the accusations of the devil. Jesus's blood has washed and has cleansed. What do you believe? 12 spies go into a promised land, but 10 of them still see themselves attached to their past. They see themselves as slaves but two Joshua and Caleb they don't see themselves as slaves do you know nowhere does it say that God called slaves out of Egypt the Bible says God called sons out of Egypt God called his children out of Egypt I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt nowhere does he call them slaves but the the the, the 10 spies, because for 430 years they'd been living as slaves, they had a slave mindset. They saw everything through the filter of a slave. So that's why they said we were like grasshoppers in their sight, grasshoppers in our sight. Grasshoppers are a locust, part of the locust family, and they eat a harvest. They come in and they eat the crop that doesn't belong to them. They're a blight. And they said, man, this is who we are. We don't deserve this harvest. We don't deserve this land flowing with milk and honey. We don't deserve that because as that's right. As slaves, they don't deserve jack. But God made a promise to his son. He says, I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey, Abraham. He repeated the promise to Isaac, then repeated it again to Jacob. And then Joseph even said, a son of Jacob, he says, the time is going to come, mark my words, where God, because God is a God who keeps his promises. How do I know? Because when you had abandoned me in the prison, all I had was God speaking to me. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And God is a God who keeps his word. I know it. So don't leave my bones in Egypt, but 
when God delivers you out of Egypt, you bundle up my bones and you take them because I am meant to be buried in Egypt. I'm meant to be buried in the promise. I'm meant to be buried in the future. I'm meant to be buried in what God says. You take my bones with me. You hear me? And so they took his bones with them. Why did they do that? Because two spies, Joshua and Caleb, didn't have a slave mentality. They had a son mentality. The devil wants you to believe that you're a slave to sin, a slave to your past, a slave to your addiction, a slave to your cravings, a slave to your appetites. Fooey to the devil. That's not who you are. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're born again, not of perishable, but of imperishable, not of corruptible, but of incorruptible. The eternal God, the eternal spirit lives on the inside of you. And uh, we're out of time. Uh, <clears throat> number three was Napoleon. And Napoleon, as you saw there doing the dance, and uh, what a great dance. But Napoleon, we find him early on and he's, he's, he's drawing. And one of the girls in his class says, what are you drawing, Napoleon? A lager. A what? A lager. What's a lager? It's pretty much my two favorite animals, a lion and a tiger. He's like a different kid. He gets on the school bus and there's all these little kids with him and they're like, what are you going to do today, Napoleon? Whatever I want to do, gosh! And he takes his, his little soldier and he throws it out the window and he's got it on a string. And all the kids are like, man, he's so cool. He's just... Because he's a rebel. He's got... And so here's this kind of this listless kid brought up by his grandmother, weird Uncle Rico, no in the family, but he's got skills he doesn't know he has. But they're all dormant, they're all latent until he attaches himself to Pedro and finds out that if he helps make Pedro's dream come true, it'll unlock everything in him. One of the most powerful things I ever did was attach myself, hitched myself to the wagon called the church that made Jesus' mission, His assignment, all things are possible. As you begin to plug we're not trying to get you to serve because we need someone to sweep the foyer or someone to help park cars. We're trying to get you to serve because when you serve, you begin to create a flow over your life that unlocks the gifting, that unlocks the anointing, that unlocks the calling of God. Napoleon has no idea, becomes like the hero, gets Pedro elected because his gifts. And the fourth person that we didn't have time to look at the video clip was Kip. Come on, Napoleon, you're just jealous because I've been chatting with hot babes online all day. We both know I'm training to be a cage fighter. Kip is searching for love. He's searching for love. He ends up meeting LaFonda. They get married. And as they get married at the end, he writes a song. Yes, I love technology. But not as much as you, you see, always and forever. It's like, it's so funny. And then he looks up and guess who comes riding in? Napoleon rides in on a white horse. And he dismounts and he lets, he lets his brother Kip and LaFonda ride off to the honeymoon on a white horse. Napoleon becomes the dream maker. You know, every single one of us, the Bible says, we were created by God for God. The Bible says God is love. God is love. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love never fails. 
Love always overcomes. Love always perseveres. I got saved on a beach. I didn't find religion on a beach. I didn't find a, a life mission on a beach. When I gave my life to Jesus on a beach, what I found was love. The first experience was the love of God began to flow into my heart and He began to heal and deal with the brokenness, the trauma, the bitterness, the hurt, the rejection and the woundings of my heart. When Jesus comes into your, it's perfect love that begins to drive out all fears. It's love that came in. The house of God is meant to be the house of love. It's a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. And as we come in, you will find that there is a power, there is a force, it's called the love of God. Girls, you can't find it in a man. Men, you can't find it in a club or a bar or another girl. In fact, I found this, that if you think that your soulmate or your, you know, is going to complete you, they don't. There's only one perfect person, and that's Jesus. And I found that as I gave my life to Jesus, His love flowing through, through me helps me be the husband Leanne needs me to be. He fills in all my gaps, all my shortcomings, all my deficiencies. If I disconnect from Him, it's all lost. Today, Jesus wants to step into your heart. He wants to step into your life. Maybe you once walked with God, but today you're away from Him. Or maybe you've never surrendered to Him. Maybe you kind of try to grab a hold of a few tenets of religion. But friend, you don't need religion. You need an encounter with God. You need His love flowing into your heart. Religion actually chokes the love of God. The Pharisees grab a woman caught in adultery and they throw her on the ground and they say, Lord, this woman deserves death. She was caught in adultery in the very act. And Jesus immediately says, whoever among you is without sin, throw the first stone. And obviously nobody could. They were all guilty. So they all dropped their stones. The only person who was without sin was Jesus. And he says to her, woman, where are your accusers? She lifts her head and she says, they've all gone. He says, is there no one here who condemns you? She's standing or sitting in the presence of the most holy, righteous, perfect being in the universe. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He is the word of God. He is the Ten Commandments. He is the Torah. She's violated. She's broken. She's transgressed. He said, is there no one left who condemns you? When she looks into his eyes, she doesn't see condemnation. She says, there's no one. He says, that's right. I don't condemn you either. Go, sin no more. Her life was changed because of love, not because of religion. Religion would have killed. Love delivers. That's what you find in this church. I've got no problem playing Napoleon. In fact, if I was really honest with you, if people walk out when I'm playing Napoleon Dynamite, knock yourself out because you're going to struggle the rest of the year anyway because we refuse to be religious because religion kills. Religion demands the death of the struggling sinner. Love delivers and transforms. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.